Hey everyone, welcome back to Table Talk, the show after the show. I'm your host, Swanee. And I'm JR. Alright, so today we're going to be talking about character death. Do you allow it? Do you like it? Do your players like it? So JR, what is your opinion on character death? It's going to make me evil. It's going to make me sound really evil. I, I like it. And the reason I like it is because if people have built emotional attachments to both the character or other characters have built emotional attachments to that character, you can see it come out in the role playing at the table. I mean, it's not super useful if you have people who aren't good with role play, mm-hmm. but people who are, um, like our total player, mm-hmm. I could, I could see him. He's the best role player I know, honestly. He is. But the thing is, his role-playing is so subtle. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. Like, you don't know if he's talking or if he's (laughs) role-playing. Yes, I know. And you're just like, wait a minute. Did he say this in character? Yes, of course he did. And and knowing his his turtle's like this, like, surfer stoner guy. Mm -hmm. And then knowing who he is, it just, like, they're so at odds. Yeah. And then he somehow pulls it off. He does. I love it. But yeah, like... But yeah, being the DM, I would be so sad if his character died. I would. I would be as a player and as a character both. I would be sad. No more free shrooms. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. But for real, like I would be. I would actually be sad. And I think that these games. I mean, personally, you, you know, I've used this as kind of a way to um, grow as a person, and I think that this helps people develop as as people mm-hmm. um, it helps your emotional growth and stuff and you have to realize that death is the natural part of life it's a natural part of life it's you're you're gonna have to face it sooner or later and I really think that coming to grips with it in the game kind of helps you establish the ability to do that if you haven't been mm-hmm. able to do it as a person outside of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just, I think it helps make the game more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because I think, as I, I'm always saying this, if, if it's a game without consequences, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And sometimes death is a consequence. And also, it can help, especially lower level characters, it can make a quest. You're, you're one of your main players dies and you're like, oh my God, we've, we've lost this important character. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can have a, if it's their choice, if they're like, no, we refuse to let this person die. You, they've basically, the characters have just created a quest to go find someone or to get the level or the power or find some ability to bring their friend back. And... I like dynamic games and things like that are extremely dynamic. Um, I would definitely always allow it. I would try to bring it up to my players beforehand because you don't just want, because there might be some people who are very sensitive about that. Sensitive about it. I would bring it up and explain to them that it's a, it's a normal staple of my games. Like it could happen. Um, as a DM, I, I try very hard not to fudge rolls. Mm-hmm. Like even when we were playing the game on roll twenty, my my game, um, I rolled the attacks and everything else in the open. 
mm-hmm. because I don't want there to be a question. There are times though where I wish I hadn't <laughs> because as a DM, I'm like, I really like this character. I don't want to just die. Mm-hmm. But life is a game of chance and sometimes the the die just doesn't roll in your favor. But uh, luckily, I don't think we had any deaths. I think... Uh, no, oh, wait, we did. No. We had um, Martin's death. He... But the thing is, okay, and I know that it might seem as if this was intentional, but the player was no longer able to play the game. You did not intentionally kill this character. You actually decided to keep him as an NPC. Yeah. (laughs) And we went deeper, you know, into this cavern and there was a drake that was flying overhead. Yep. We were not aware that an item that I was carrying was the only thing to save us from this attack. Yeah, you had to display the banner, and you never did. And I was well, like, please, for the love of God, Because we the didn't banner. know. Yeah. There was no clue. All, all you said was, there's this pennant. And I said, cool, I'm going to attach the pennant to my backpack and just have it look fancy. Yeah. And then this Drake attacked us, and you rolled, because there was, what, one, two, three, four, or five characters... You rolled. And he got the short end of the he stick. He got the short end of the stick. This was a completely random roll. And then I and then I rolled the damage. You rolled the damage and it outright killed him. And it straight up outright killed him. Yeah, I was I was so horrified at what I had done. But so horrified. It I was shows like, I can't us, believe this. It shows us that our characters are not safe. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, it also does kind of feel like, as I said, that it was more it does feel like, you know, how convenient was it, you know, that his yeah. character out of everybody else's character what died. Was, what was funny, though, was wasn't his character some sort of, like, trickery cleric or something? Like yeah, that? and he was under a gias, too. Yes, he was under, yeah, because the goddess or one of, it was one of the servants. It wasn't the goddess herself. It wasn't Ouroboros herself. It was one of her, oh, it was. It was Ouroboros. It was Ouroboros herself because she showed up and... Um, his character had, you know, gone through his whole journey to, to reach us, like how we did, how we had described last episode with the whole Albert situation. It had finally reached us, and we didn't trust him. Yes, because we're like, we don't know who you are. What is this? You know, why are you following us? And he was like, Hey, you know, I can help you guys out. And I don't think it was Martin because the- no, 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 it wasn't. It was, uh, it was his next character it because his other character Martin did died. die. Was, was was it Martin died or Martin? He got sucked into a void, I think it was, because he drew he drew a card of yes. the deck of many things. Okay, yeah. He he got sucked into a void, and another player that I think it was that same episode, that same uh, session, he ended up in like some astral plane because he took some gems and put it in his bag of holding. Yes, and I asked him if he was going to do that. I was like, I was like, hey, are you? Are you sure you're gonna put all? You're not gonna check any more of them? And he was like, "No, it should be." I thought it was Martin that did that. Uh, no, that was Adam. That was Adam. Okay. Adam is the one who that got w- sucked into the the bag of holding. Yes, and it was because he put it in there, and I told him there was there were certain gems in there that had interdimensional magic in them. But we didn't know. And this. one of them, one of them was the phylactery for like the big bag, because I was gonna make you guys go all the way back through all this nonsense mm-hmm. to figure that out. And he was like, I'm just going to throw them in there. Because I was expecting you guys to take them and sell them. Yeah. And then now this thing's just gone. Yeah. And then you're going to be like, oh, crap. We came across this thing so long ago. That was like this ha-ha-ha. I gotcha. I gotcha kind of moment. But when he was like, I'm going to put it in my bag of holding, I went, 
please, please no. Because <laughs> I didn't plan for that. I, I, for some odd reason, it didn't click. I was like, oh, well, I gave him some things. And I, the bag of holding didn't click for me. Mm-hmm. And then once he did that, I remember Adam was sitting there floating in space for yeah, basically he's ever. Yeah, he, he's in his... Uh... Was it? He had like a, a sleeping bag that he could walk in. Yeah. And now he's just in his sleeping bag, just floating. Didn't he base that character off of somebody off of My Hero Academia? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I've never seen it. But. The, it was the visor guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, but yeah, it, um, he based him off that because the guy's very lazy. He's but always yeah, tired. He lost his character, both of them, that same session. But that one didn't die. He didn't die. He just got sucked into some other place. Martin technically wasn't dead either. He, he was just got in the sent void. into the void. And then he brought in that cleric that was that weird... Father York. Father York. That's who it was. And yeah. Nobody trusted him. No which one trusted him. Which was so funny. <laughs> but out of everybody, he had the lowest HP. He had the lowest AC. So when I rolled that and it came up and then I also critted on top of it... Mm-hmm. I seriously was like, they're going to think I'm I'm out for this guy. Yeah. I really was like, they're going to think I, I purposely did this, but the rolls were on roll 20. It's right there. Yeah. And I love when I rolled the crit. <laughs> Everybody was like, oh my God, who's that against? And then I rolled the, the yeah. D6. Yeah, and you're like, okay, and like, these are your numbers. And so we had our numbers and you rolled and it was like, oh no. You know that song, oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what it was. And I was like, oh no. And what was it? I had it literally swooped down. It swooped down and it caught him and it tore him apart. And we got sprayed in blood and intestines and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and then I was like, and then it comes back and I was like, because it just, as you said, it did enough damage to straight up outright kill him. Mm-hmm. But I put, and what was funny was, luckily, I did it was, a, I think you guys were able to back that Shadow Drake into a corner. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, would, I wouldn't say that. Was that the DM coming in to save you guys? No, <laughs> no. Because um, remember, I'm playing Sweets in that campaign. And obviously, Sweets is lawful good. She does not believe in killing. I think she was a path of redemption, I think it was. Yeah, she was path of redemption because she always believed that people could redeem themselves. And so this creature comes down, kills Father Yorick, and it's just the three of us left now. And... You know, everybody's like, well, fine. We have the monk who has now been blessed by a goddess. And he's now turning into, you know, pretty much a demigod. And basically a dragon rider. And we have a dragon rider. And then we have me. And this monk is beating the crap out of this dragon. And you're sitting there like, no. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And everybody's like, but why? And I'm like, but we don't know. Like, he looks like a baby. And they're like, no, let's kill him. And I was like, no, 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 no. If we kill yes. him, it's going to be so bad. And they were like, fine. And I had a roll of persuasion against them. And I got high. I think it was like a 19. And they rolled like fairly low. But I got I got a really good persuasion. And I was like, please, let's not kill this. And then the baby, like, the baby was like, hey, you know, oh, I see you have the flag. Because it didn't know. I rolled a perception check for it when it was flying by. Mm-hmm. And because it wasn't displayed prominently... I was like, well, he didn't see it. Yeah. Because it, so, his first swoop was literally coming from the front. Yeah. Because you guys were leaving the cavern. Well, because, yeah, well, I was leading. So I was in the front. So and it swooped it. over me. You couldn't see my backpack. Could you imagine how terrifying that would be? And then uh, basically Mama Bear showed up. Yeah, and then Mama showed up, but we had already hogtied the baby. 
<laughs> and we're like, we're not going to let this baby go until we get some answers. And the mom was like, hey, you need to let my child go. You know, like Moses and all let this let stuff. Let my people go. Let my people go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You know, she was so. more mad. But I remember that because I remember she was more mad at the shadow drake. Because I actually was. Yeah. Was, she was scolding the baby. I have a thing for rolling die in the background to figure out how if things are going to go a little bit more left or right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll add stuff like your persuasion rolls to it to see if it kind of like transfers her mind. But right off the rip, she was pissed at the baby. Mm-hmm. She's like, how did you not notice the flag? And like, uh, like, and then cause you, cause you guys find out later that two things normally they were, they were down here originally sent down here originally by the elves and kind of helped take care of, mm-hmm. but you know, that was their defense, natural defense against people trying to sneak up mm-hmm. that path into the city. And so the pennant was basically for the workers would carry it down there so that they could do repairs and stuff to that natural aqueduct and thing I had down there. And yeah, you just, those roles just all did not add up for you. And then out of nowhere, yours did. Mm-hmm. And I was really glad that it did because oh, I, you were glad. You were glad because the shadow, <laughs> the shadow dragon was actually based off of, I think, a monster from like one of the other specialty books we got with the Cobalt Press or something like that. Yeah, I think it was like a Creature Codex. Yeah, because the Shadow Drake was from one of those books too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to treat this as like this is the baby, this is the mama, and then. Ooh, yeah. If you get you guys could not have defeated that one. That, no, I, I which figured. Was, but but the whole idea behind it was you were supposed to meet this thing, that it's an. It, I was going to treat it as one of those natural evil characters. Mm-hmm. Like it it does horrible things because that's just you know what it is. But at the same time, it's not outright going to kill you. It's not. It's, it's goal isn't to aim to kill you. Mm-hmm. But um. And then you guys ended up working with it, and it became basically your friend because mm-hmm. you defeated its their one thing that they were afraid of. The, the Titan Boa. The Titan Boa, yeah. That was a terrifying fight. I really thought there was there was two times I thought that you or because um, I had him go back and flood the. Well, that session I actually wasn't even a part of it because I was sick that session. And I was kind of like laying in the background, dying on my bed, listening, listening in and kind of adding in information here and there. But I was like, for the most part, I'm checking out of this, this whole session. But what I loved though was, um, but I did hear that they did flood it. And then you were like, yeah, there's spiders just kind of everywhere. And I was like, I'm so glad I'm not in this session right now Mm -hmm. because I hate spiders. See, See, you have to realize what I was doing was, um, the dragon rider character. And I know we've gone really off tangent here, but um, the Dragon Rider character, that was his own little mission. He had to go all the way back and, was it just him? Trying to, I, I think it was just him, but it might be wrong. No, he went back, um, because he, he they had, had to, to go open faster. the sluice. Yes, he had to open the sluice gate and he had to come back. He had to come back and I think it was, what was his character? The monk's character's name. I don't even remember. But he met him, I think, about a quarter of the way through. Like, when he got there, my character hung back because she was defending the, the, the sluice. No, no, it was, it, was a, it was a dam with a sluice gate on it. Yeah. So but your, your, the whole idea was that... Because well, she was standing on the top. That, that's, what, that, that's what it was. She was standing on the top making sure that that Titan Boa didn't come out. Yeah. 
and then you guys opened it and so the whole flooding happened and then she had a call upon the drakes who were hiding in the shadows and were like oh you rang and it was like what i think you said there was like 50 of them that just came out of nowhere yep. and like flooded this area and then they all attacked the titan boa and killed it and it was, was like, it was a big fight see because the titan boa the way i was playing it was like the movie uh I always say this wrong. Anaconda? Anaconda? Yeah. Anaconda. Anaconda. But like that movie where it's like this giant snake and it doesn't really, it ambushes people again. I've never seen the movie. Oh. Well, <laughs> I know I know who's in it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, basically it ambushes people and drags them in the water and drowns them and, you know, crushes them and all that stuff. And that's what it had been doing this entire time mm -hmm. to them. And they weren't able to hunt on that side of the cavern mm -hmm. because of that. And so their whole goal, and I, oh man, I remember you guys dropped the coin into the pool and that's where it sleeps. Mm -hmm. And when you guys did that, I rolled and uh, I think you guys went to go look into the water. Because well, we were trying to go down the stairs, that's what yeah. it was. And, and you said it was at least 50 feet from where we were. Oh no, that, I remember this conversation. It was like you guys walked out and it was like a 500 foot drop and it was 100 feet across. It was this huge, mm -hmm. basically gigantic drain for the entire city's water supply. Like all the water would leave through this tunnel. And we had uh, Luke, who was the dragon rider, uh, float down. Yep. And he got uh, close to the water and the water moved. Father Yorick, me, and the monk, we all walked down, but we got exhaustion Yeah. because we were walking down and we had to also do uh, dexterity saves to make sure we weren't going to slip. Because the, all the stairs were wet and they didn't mm -hmm. have rails. They'd rotted away. Yeah. I, man, I, I had that all planned out. The, the idea was I was thinking one of you guys would cast something like Featherfall and just fall and float to the bottom. I didn't have Featherfall. I thought you guys would have something like that and you didn't. Nope. And then when you, and I was like, okay, so I, I let you, I took, I took the level exhaustion and then you guys went, I, th I swear it was Luke. I might be wrong, but I thought Luke flew over the water or went next to the water to no, see the coin that had been dropped. He flew all the way down with the dragon and then he, there was nothing there. He didn't see anything. So he came back up. And then we went and we're looking at the tunnels and I was like, oh, let me look in the water because we can just follow the flow of the water. Yes. And then you were like, oh, roll. And I rolled and you're like, you see an eye that's about the size of like a plate dish. And I was like, ha ha, nope, bye. And I walked away and I was like, I'm not going in the water. Nobody should go in the water because we're going to die. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It was an eye the size of a dinner plate because you rolled, you rolled really high. Yeah. Because I was expecting, you know, you to not see anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like. If they don't see it and they stay near the water, one of them's getting hit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm really glad that you guys got through that without dying. A absolutely dying. I mean, one of us died, but dying, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah the, like, that once again, the character death though. Yeah, character it death. It propelled that story forward. It did because now we're like, okay, we actually did lose somebody. Yes, it was an NPC at this point, but we did lose a party member. And you went, we need to get out of this cave. Mm-hmm. Because now this threat is there. We we don't have a way to defend it. At this point, we hadn't allied with the Drake. So had we not and we had to fight this thing, I honestly don't think we would have made it. Oh, no. The, the whole idea behind that was you were either A, not supposed... Because remember, the, you also had to fight the bullets that were making boring mm -hmm. holes through the mountain, yeah. basically. Um, but the two original paths were 
you were going to befriend the drakes and help them basically take this thing down. And once you did that, you would have free range in the cavern. Mm -hmm. You'd be able to go anywhere. Or, um, which is sad because you never went on the other side. The other side of the cavern had a bunch of stuff on it and you guys never got to go there. It makes me really sad. Well, because you kind of described one as being really dark and the other one having glowing mushrooms. Yeah. The, and so we went down the path with the glowing mushrooms because, you know, there's light. Yeah, the glowing <laughs> mushrooms. I was thinking, you know, after you kill the Titan Bow, maybe you guys would go. I'm going to try to explore a little bit more. But. No, because uh, you had the whole place blood. Yeah. You said that once we opened it, we couldn't go back. You're like, is there is there anything else you want to do? And we're like, right now the Titan Bow was pretty much on its way to attack. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of on a time crunch where, like, we literally have to choose between saving the drake or going yeah but but that the thing that i i was thinking though it was flooded yes but i was also thinking that over time water would drain Mm -hmm. and because remember the way i visualized or i visualized this is you guys would end up having to go back all the way after all your travels yeah to back to this place because the phylacteries that this guy had made were basically um like the horcruxes there was a bunch of them Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I was I was expecting you one day would be able to return, and let me think here. I think for that, that kind of sums up. That sums up basically everything that happened. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, like, because I would say that we literally only had the two characters who kind of ceased to exist, if you will. And then the one that. Died. And then the one that actually died. Um. In my campaigns, I tell you guys from the get-go, expect character death. I am not out to kill you, but I want you guys to create the best kind of characters that you can so I can put a challenge up against you and not have to worry about possibly killing you because, you know, the encounter is too much. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, like right now. Uh, the episode, the session that we had last night, uh, you guys are in my Halloween episode. I keep saying episode. <laughs> you guys are in our Halloween session. And you guys are now in the sewers. God, I'm not liking this. The character, the NPC that you met, which is one of the character's long lost uncle, he warned you not to go down there. On roll 20, um, before you click launch game, there's a little discussion section and it tells you like when the day of the session is going to be. And I put a note there and I put Halloween. Nobody read it, but it specifically says that this character tells you, heed my warning, do not go downstairs because even the gods may not be able to help you. But here's, here's what I'm thinking is, where do we go? We can't go back up. You can't go back up. Obviously, the whole point is for you guys to go forward. But it's the point of you guys are need like you guys are now aware of the the severity of your actions right now. AKA, we're going to die. And I'm not making this encounter to be deadly. Well, okay, actually, I did make it deadly, but I, was... I know that you guys, you guys have literally found ways to circumvent mm-hmm. the issue. You know, you guys, what I think I put, I'd say about 15 zombies against you just in the beginning. And that beginning took you an hour to complete. You guys didn't even around the corner. 
and it took you about an hour to complete a, I don't know, like 150 foot length of space. Yeah, uh, especially after one of the characters got bit. And then right after they got bit, they had to make a con save. And then the con save was going to be, oh, you're looking at your friend like you want to bite him now. Yeah. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I don't want to get touched by any of these things. And then every time we go just a step further, five or six more of them pop up. Yeah. And then we rounded, when we started going down the tunnel, I still think we should not have done this, but we started going down the tunnel and yes, they came up with the idea of throwing the coin that makes noise to attract them. Mm-hmm. But watching literal hordes of zombies on the screen move. Mm-hmm. Horrifying. Because there has to be... I mean, in that one hallway that we went down, that had to be, what, another 100 feet, 150 feet? Oh, more. It was, it was much longer than much that? Much longer than that. Okay, so let's say 300 feet, like a football field. Longer than that. It, I'd say roughly three to five hundred feet. Okay, so three to five hundred feet. There were, what, a hundred, hundred to two hundred zombies. We haven't covered a tenth of the map. Oh, I know. And from what we know, there is a black dragon or something like it down here. So the zombies aren't even the worst threat. But right now, I'm already thinking we're probably not making it back out of here alive. And the freaking paladin constantly goes, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. And I know it's, uh, well, because if we don't push, we'll never get to the end. Or if we don't, if we don't stop, we're going to get surrounded. Or if we stop, we'll get surrounded or something like that. Mm-hmm. I understand. But the deeper he puts us in the hole, it makes me worry that we're not going to be able to get, at, get back out. And it's going to be a TPK. Yeah, so my thing with character death is I am fully for it. I don't want you guys to think that you are untouchable. And there are other players and other DMs who don't like killing characters. I, you know, I scroll through a lot of Reddit and Facebook pages you know, dedicated to D&D, and all I see is people talking about character death and how they hate it and how they don't agree with their characters dying. And a lot of them say, you know, well, our characters are meant to be heroes. Heroes don't die. Heroes do die. And I'm like, heroes don't become legends until they die. I could, yeah, I could see that argument. Like, you, you have to have done something worth noting because if you're still alive for the next thousand years, I mean, unless you retire, you're you're still just a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, your stories are legendary, yes, but you are no longer a legend. You are just a hero with a good backstory, and that's it. Characters die. You're going to have level one characters who die right off the bat. Like my character, when we played the, the free module on Roll20, <laughs> uh, oh, and oh, so I, I keep forgetting about now i have this nickname you know among our little friend group called flying snake because my character first hit first hit died died from a, a flying snake climb, like scaling up that that wall that mountain and the saddest part was it wasn't oh no 
you're unconscious, it was you straight up took enough damage to die because it maxed everything. Yeah, and then we had to have another player pray to the gods. That was the definitely the DM coming in at the to, time. I, I was, yeah, I was, well, obviously. I know. know, because I was the DM. You but. have to add your own flair to it. But, you know, the other player was like, wow, she's an idiot. <laughs> Let me pray, and hopefully, you know, my God will answer my prayers. And they brought me back. And I was like, thank you. I mean, <laughs> anyways. But, yeah, like, player death is unavoidable. You are going to die. And as you said, you know, it, it, it's a... It's a fact of life. You know, if you can't handle death in a game. I don't know how you're going to handle it in life. I, I don't, I don't understand. And I mean, it's not anything against other people and how they, you know, how they deal with grief, but you have to consider, you know, you're attached to your character. Your character is an extension of you in a way. Mm-hmm. And a piece of you has just now died because of your actions. Your actions always have consequences. And I believe that, you know, you should be punished or, you know, not punished for things that you do or don't do. All of my campaigns, and I tell you guys this, and I've mentioned it in the other episodes, your actions have consequences. Your inactions have consequences. If you decide not to help a town out, the people might die. Or they might turn against you. Or they might turn against you. But you helping them out probably did help. But now you didn't help out this other town. And so now this other town probably hates you. And you might walk in there and a mob might be waiting for you. You don't know what can happen. You know, you might think that killing this evil lord, you know, who's raising taxes is a good idea. But what you don't know is he's raising taxes to save the people, like in like in Fable. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's a there's a, a light novel I read. Um, is it the Shield Hero? That that that's actually one of the things that happens. One of this guy, one of these guys, he like fights from the shadows. One of the heroes fights from the shadows, and he thinks he's doing all this good, and he ends up killing a ruler that was raising taxes. Come to find out, he was raising taxes because he was trying to up the defense of his area because they were facing a um, like a threat mm-hmm. from I don't know if it was a province or monsters or something, but I do know it was like he was raising taxes for a reason. There was a reason, mm-hmm. and it's those unintended consequences. Sometimes I I love like twenty twenty in hindsight kind of yeah. thing. But you know, just imagine if you were this character and you killed this lord, right? Mm-hmm. Now. You have this whole kingdom going against you. You're going to go to jail if you're caught. You're probably going to be tried and more than likely put to death. Unless there is divine intervention or unless your player friends, the other adventurers that you are with, decide to intervene at some point, you're going to die. You are going to have to roll new stats. That sounds very much like a character who's about to switch alignments. Like you're, you're sitting there and you think you did all this stuff and maybe you were the lawful good paladin or so you thought and then the whole world turns against you. That's, that's, I would make them start rolling to see if their, if their morality is going to change or their view on the world's going to change. Mm-hmm. But let's like, um, like in our Tuesday games, my character made a very big mistake 
And as I mentioned in the last episode, it's a mistake that I as the player am fully aware of. I am aware of what has happened. I didn't want I didn't want it to go this way, but you know, you have to play true to the character. Mm-hmm. And she's stupid. Not dumb lack of intelligence, just wisdom wise, she's not very, very you know, she, she's smart. Not, she's not she's not world wise. And she made that decision to, you know, go against this beholder and this horde of zombies. She is now petrified. She is about to be turned to stone. She is watching the people that she's only known for three or four days risk their lives for her. She just almost killed an entire party. And we don't even know what's going to happen because we had to stop, you know, halfway through the fight. So we don't even know what's going to happen. And if my character dies, it was for a reason. My character died, one, believing in what she, you know, what in, in her beliefs, but she also died for stupidity. She died because she wasn't aware of how the world works. I'm, I know this is a little messed up. You know how we have the meme channel mm-hmm. where everybody posts their little pictures and stuff? I'm already pre-gaming. Because I've already got ideas for things I'm going to post if you turn to stone <laughs> or anything like that. And I, I just can't wait. It's, 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 going to be, it's going to be brutal. But yeah, you know, so like, like I said, just character death is it's a touchy subject. It really is. It is fully dependent on the players themselves and on the DM who's running it. I don't feel like you should skirt around the issue of death. Just because, as you said, it is unavoidable. Your character is not going to live forever. Just because your character has gained immortality or has gained, you know, the ability to age slower or stop aging, you know, because that's stuff that happens in D&D. Your character has reached a certain point and now they are, you know, 100%, I guess you could say... Immortal. Immortal. They are... That they've been dunked in, you know, immortality juice. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> that does sound disgusting. <laughs> like that whole that whole thing is. I always like to say is immortal doesn't mean eternal because mm-hmm. you can still die for some reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, like vampires. Like vampires, and then also you got to think, in D and D lore, gods have died. Mm-hmm. Gods have killed each other. They've been killed by other beings. Um. There's. Just because you're immortal doesn't mean that you're going to live forever. And on that, um, we had that one... One of the players that we have, he never made the character. He never put it in a game. But he was talking to me about making a character that was uh, a druid so it could get that anti-aging ability and I think a warlock or something so it would get their anti-aging ability. And he ended up coming up with like the numbers and it was something ridiculous. He would live forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but if you throw that into, you know, her campaign, it's not going to matter because he'll be dead within the first yeah. 10 sessions. <laughs> I mean, you're not that bad. I'm not that bad. But there's like moments where I'm just like, you know, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't try to kill you guys, but I want to make it challenging. challenging. I want you guys to feel that you're going to die. And once again, I apologize for min-maxing that one character in the game for someone else. Because it has made it so much harder for the rest of us. It's, that's, 
Your actions have consequences. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to put it. Your actions have consequences. You might have thought it was a good idea, but you kind of screwed the rest of the party I'm, over. I'm not going to lie, though. That is my favorite character I've ever built. It makes sense lore-wise. If my character dies in any other campaigns, I'm going to try to build it. <laughs> if the DM will let me get away with it, it's happening. Um, but yeah, so character death. That is, it is touchy. I think it's a good thing. I love it. I don't mind if my character does, like, again, I don't try to purposely kill my characters. I don't try to kill other people's characters. But if my character dies, like... And on another end, I mean, in D&D, I mean, there are some spells and stuff. You die, you die. Power would kill, Power disintegrate. Kill, disintegrate, because there's no body to bring back or anything. So you have to be, like, ninth level caster. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, death in D&D can be circumvented. If the, if the person's upset about just losing their character and they want to get it back, as I said, it could be a quest to get that character back. Yeah. But at the same time, you, sometimes you got to just learn to let go. Mm -hmm. And it drives me crazy. Like, um, like there's, there's some other shows and stuff we watch D&D related shows and I'm not sure if I can use the names and stuff like that um, but there's some other shows where they have you know characters de character deaths and they bring them back and they have character deaths and they don't bring them back and you can see that it brings out the best in the role playing abilities of mm -hmm. the people at the table and I think not allowing that and not allowing those consequences not only restricts your players and their characters growth it also restricts your avenues for um what you can do as a dm mm -hmm. because if you if you if the, if the players know they're not going to die what's the next lower consequence are you going to lock their character up in jail forever mm -hmm. because it's to them it's probably going to be the same as their character dying because they don't have control of it anymore mm -hmm. so where's the line if you allow that line to start slipping, where are you going to, where is it going to be drawn? Mm -hmm. And that brings me back to the consequence thing. If people think that they can get get away with because they're high level characters going through a town and killing everyone, and or you know murder hoboing, God murder hoboing, um, or if they think they can fight all the guards in the town because oh well, our, we're characters, we're not going to die. Mm -hmm. That, to me, kind of kills the realism, number one. And number two, it, it restricts the DM. Mm -hmm. Because if it was me and someone was like, okay, well, I'm going to kill this person because I don't like them or this count because I don't like them or they talk to me weird or something like that. And they get caught by guards and they're fighting their way out and I keep having more and more guards come up. That's what would happen, realistically. Mm -hmm. That's what would happen. The player that thinks that they have plot you know, was it plot armor? Yeah. That thinks they're immune to death is going to be upset with me because they had to deal with the realistic consequences of their actions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not fair to the DM. Well, you just have to think, why is it that the bad guys get to get killed if the players don't? Yep. Because if it was a world where 
I can't kill you, then that means you technically can't kill me because, you know, the world has to work that way, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're untouchable and I can't kill you, but I try to, somebody else is going to die in your place. And so you're going to be, you know, in a, in a world full of dead bodies because you're untouchable, but everybody else isn't. Yeah. And I just think that's ridiculous. And that, you know, coming back to that, that whole, the person goes unconscious. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But then also makes me ask, why doesn't the enemies go unconscious? What if you're fighting a horde of goblins and you take down half of them, but your party has to leave mm-hmm. at the end? What's to say those goblins weren't making death saving throws? I mean, just the way the book's written, I guess, they're not making death saving throws. They just die outright. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you think about it, you would think that some of them would save. And when you go back, you're th- expecting half the horde and three quarters of it's still there. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a real mind trip for characters is they're going to be sitting there going, wait a second. That's not right. We, we killed half of them. Well, I mean, you knocked them unconscious. Mm-hmm. And that'll kind of also slow down your characters on the whole murder hoboing thing. Because uh, they'll, go, they'll go through the town and they'll just be killing people left and right, thinking they're getting away with this and, you know, going into the the tavern and fighting everybody and killing them and all stuff. But come to find out, you didn't kill anybody because I never saw a coup de gras. You never finished it. Mm-hmm. And these people recovered and they remember you. And that's going to be a whole wake-up call to, oh, maybe he's not really okay with us doing whatever we want in the game. Yeah. Well, that kind of, I guess you could say character death would kind of go over to me for, I guess you could say, like, the healing abilities. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. Which ones? You take a long rest, but you got stabbed in the stomach. And suddenly you're better. And suddenly you're better. Like, oh, just let me, you know, just just let me pat some some plants on my gut and I'm fine now. That's like the magical healing stuff. Like, it makes sense for some things. But yeah, there's other things like illnesses and stuff. You wouldn't think that magic would just all of a sudden you're better. Yeah. But, you know, then like like that, you know, the healing. Like, I understand, you know, like if you're actually doing magical healing, that's understandable. But... I don't think the cleric who now only has maybe one spell slot left is going to take this short rest to try and heal your gut wound because you did something stupid. I mean, he could. He could, (laughs) but you know, that one last spell slot that he has could have been the deciding factor, could have turned the tide. Maybe this person had like in Pathfinder, like a mass cure wounds or something. What is it? Pathfinder? I'm trying to remember which game it has where there's a mechanic where you only gain back like half your health over a long rest. I'm not sure. Probably Pathfinder. It, probably, that it, like it would seem it more would Pathfinder. Yeah. That, that would seem something more that it could do. And I actually kind of agree with that. If you have less, I think that was one of the rules of my campaign was if you have less than 50% of your health points, you only gain 50% of your, your hit die or whatnot. Yeah, no, because uh, me, you, and the other player had actually discussed that. Well, actually, the other three players, we had all discussed how we want... To make it more realistic. To make it more realistic. You know, if you're down at half, you know, pretty much like, like in Pathfinder with a bloody roll. You yeah. know, so on and so forth. 
Um, but no, another thing that bothers me to no end is, again, tying into the character death is character dismemberment and disfigurement. There are spells that can, you know, bring back your missing limbs. Mm-hmm. You can go to a cleric to get your missing limb back. But players, and I have found this out, hate having their characters gain a disability. I, I, I have a habit of giving them a disability. I do that. I always ask my players, and you know, every time we make, you know, a new campaign, I'm like, hey, do you guys want to have a disability? I have a whole book full of disabilities for you guys. And it could be something simple like I'm colorblind. And I can work that into a campaign. Like, oh, you find two potions. One of them is red. One of them is green. And I'm sitting here going, oh, no. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> well. Uh, everyone else would be like, oh, that's cool. Uh, give me the red one. And I hand, you're like, okay, roll a percentile. <laughs> and I hand them the green one and they're going to be like, what? Yeah. But then I'm saying, you know, you can have something as simple as I'm colorblind or something as serious as you know i'm missing an arm we have you know our artificer in our wednesday campaign has ventilating lungs a prosthetic leg and a prosthetic arm this makes me evil but i'm still thinking about if we ever get in a fight heat metal i mean you can or you can just rip the limb off of his body and throw it somewhere no no because because if i use heat metal i'm talking about his lungs well, that too, yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking like heat metal and then, because you hate ripping your lungs out. So at that point, it's just me going, can we stop fighting? Because, you know, Jodari's not going to be like, I want to keep fighting with, you know, this person who's supposed to be my ally. Mm-hmm. He's going to be like, have you learned your lesson yet? Mm-hmm. But, I, mean, I, I am for character disfigurement, dismemberment, disabilities. My character on Tuesday, Granny, had a bum leg she was deaf in one ear and blind in one eye which all made sense because she was an old adventurer she's an old adventurer she was in her 80s and i don't mind playing a session where i have to roll a disadvantage for certain things Mm -hmm. i enjoy that because again it makes it real again going back to the whole character death thing dying makes the campaign real it makes me realize Yes, these are not real people, obviously. But if you're immersing yourself into a campaign... There's not going to be some grandmother who's in her 80s who's the most nimble person that you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean... I would uh, have died. I would have died, though, if you had made her a rogue. I was really hoping you would make some character like that, like super dex-based. That would be so funny just because I, I would have given her a low dex. For that specific reason, oh, because man. she's old. But she has the skill still. She has the skills, but she would, like, like say, you know, I had Slide of hand. a 15, 14, oh, and a 13. God. I probably would have given her maybe a 14. Now, I would have given her a 15. No. I would have given her a 14 because she has the knowledge of it, but she's old. So her dexterous abilities are starting to go down. You know, she's trying to pick a lock. But her arthritis is acting up. I was just about up. to say her arthritis. Her arthritis are <laughs> acting up. Uh. And, you know, she's like, oh, well, you know, like if she fails, she fails a role, like, oh, well, you know, it's my arthritis. She's trying to nimbly climb 
a, you know, scale a wall. And her hand locks up. Her hand locks up or her leg, you know, her hip gives out. And so she, you know, slips and crashes into a window and falls into the king's room or something. Are you sure you're not just describing your pains in life? This is my pains. I am old. I'm a grandmother. I'm a... <laughs> um, but no, no, because no. that would make me a grandfather. Never. <laughs> but no, so yeah, you know, like I said, character death, character dismemberment, character healing. I feel all of that tying into the last episode kind of adds to the immersion of the campaign because now you know like I'm not just a person in this campaign I'm not just a hero in this campaign I am you know somebody of importance I am I, I'm somebody who can be hurt mm -hmm. you know in the real world if I walk up and punch somebody in the face I will probably land that hit and I might break their nose break and I might break my fist in the process. Mind. You might break a hand. <laughs> so actions have consequences. His nose is broken. My hand is probably broken. Whereas if we're in a D and D world, you know, where I can't get hurt, I can punch this guy. He's going to go flying back 20 feet and my hand is perfectly fine. You know, some guy's gonna come in from behind me and swipe and slash me across the back, even though I'm wearing a breastplate armor, but it's gonna somehow cut through the breastplate armor and it's gonna stab me in the back and oh no, I'm hurt. But look at that, I'm magically not hurt. Actually on that, I, you know how I like alternative rules mm -hmm. and one of them is long rest is a week, short rest is a day, mm -hmm. or short rest is eight hours. Mm -hmm. Dude, it slows the game down but also it makes people so much more focused on their resources. It does. And whew, there's some classes that if you if you did that where a short rest is that eight hours, that that has crippled that character. Actually, I was looking at a completely different uh, tabletop game. Uh, it's called Maximum Apocalypse. And if I'm not mistaken, in that game, is short rest is actually eight hours and a long rest is a week and it makes sense it makes sense but i'm just thinking of characters like uh druid a druid gets back their uses of um wild shape wild shape on short rest mm -hmm. so if it was me and well, short the, or long rest yeah short or long rest but if, if i say short rest it's it's both mm -hmm. and i would think that that would very much cripple that character. Mm -hmm. So for the whole day, they have two uses of Wild Shape. Yeah. And that's kind of the go-to thing for that class. They're kind of like, they can act as a scout. If they're a Moon Druid, that is that is their basic attack ability because mm -hmm. they lose out on the extra spells. Um, so that, that kind of hurts them. But then again, I'm also thinking, you know, on a lower level, if you notice in Pathfinder, Druid's Wild Shape scales with them. Mm -hmm. They get more uses as they go along. And between <laughs> getting Wild Shape and level 20, there is no difference. Mm -hmm. And that has frustrated me. I think it should scale with your proficiency bonus. It should. I, I do agree Especially with that. if you chose to do what I was talking about. If you have, as a DM, you would have to look at everyone's character and you would have to find and figure out things that you're like, well, you know... Yeah, short rest is this, but you know, remember how I had breaks. 
mm-hmm. and I would I would allow like certain things to come back on a break because you're catching your breath, you got that hour, and you're recharging and resetting for the next leg of the journey. But I really don't agree with you. Did mess up though. You <sighs> messed up something fierce with that campaign, and it has benefited us so much. So it's just stalled thing. No, because I regretted that no. so much. You gave me the hallowed tree. Oh y- no! And that hallowed tree gives us the benefit of a long rest over a short rest. <laughs> over a short rest, and I was like, "Hey, guess who's going to abuse the heck out of this?" Yeah, as soon as <laughs> as soon as I did that, I was like, "Because it was one of those. It was like a potted plant. You put it down." And then and it, it grows, grows into a tree, into and it, tree. it provides sanctuary and as the, well. And it's a sanctuary, and then you can pull it. And the reason I did that is because later on in those games, there is no safe place because it's supposed to be between you and the next Pretty much an apocalypse. town. Yes, between you and the next town are thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. And you have to go those thousands of miles with nothing to really keep you safe mm-hmm. because you guys were going to be turned into basically... We were think, champions for yeah. I think we called you uh, wardens. Yeah, we were wardens, champions for the for Ouroboros. Yep, champions for Ouroboros, and it was based loosely around the idea of uh, Horizon, the game I really really like. Yeah, Horizon was a very good game. Yeah, I'm excited for the next one to come out. I am too. I really am. I'm. I've seen things about where they're talking. You can fly. You can get flying mounts. If you mm-hmm. can do that, I am gonna be the happiest person (laughs) (laughs) all right so now we're gonna get into our monster of the week segment last week jr and i talked about displacer beasts he made an elder displacer beast i made a greater displacer beast this week we decided to go with gargoyles but instead of doing how we did last time where we made a different version of it in succession, JR and I have decided to just go completely different routes. So JR, you made a gargoyle brood mother. Give me a little bit of information about it. Um, really the biggest change is just the fact that it can turn other PCs and NPCs into gargoyles which makes it kind of a pressing matter that has to be taken care of because the longer your players go without taking care of it the worse the problem's gonna get so you're saying it's kind of like a medusa where it turns people to stone or uh kind of similar to that um i because i didn't make the challenge rating as high i gave it I made it so that players could have an easier out than having to have greater restoration, which you don't get till much later. 10th level. Yeah. 11th level. And so I made it so that you could use, if you were your characters roll high enough, because I made it so that to understand how the curse works, you get a uh, arcana check or a history check. I mean, there might be something else your DM comes up with, like a nature or something, but I don't think that would work. Um, but that way they can understand how it works and realize that, oh, well, we can actually use dispel magic or remove curse on it because it's not just a more like a disease or something. 
because like the Medusa, when it when it affects you, it's like a magical disease. This is literally more of a it's it's a curse. And I'm focusing on the aspect of it being like a magical curse so that it's possible to fix the problem before it becomes permanent on a party member. But oh. for, yeah, but for your, I actually was really interested in kind of where you went with yours. Okay. Um, I know what you're trying to do. You just want me to read mine first. Yeah. It's you, okay. You read yours first. Huh. Um, all right. So I actually went the route of trying to stick more towards the gargoyle aspect of it but i love the idea of crystal gargoyles walking into i don't know like some beautiful crystal cavern or a palace or something and you know they have gargoyles just mounted up on the walls so just imagine if you as a player are walking through this you know nice cathedral and there's these crystalline gargoyles you're obviously not going to think like, okay, these are definitely gargoyles. They're going to hurt me. Your thought process is going to be, these are very nice looking statues, like actual statues. So. Unless you don't trust your DM. Unless you don't trust your DM. But that's metagaming. It's not just metagaming. It's obvious. So. Pretty much what I thought of is not only a crystal gargoyle because, it, yes, it'll be a gargoyle. But, you know, a crystal version, like that's not any better. It's just a pretty gargoyle. I was thinking that this, this gargoyle probably had magic imbued into it or was around like a big surge of energy, magical energy that caused it to become what it is. And at the core of this gargoyle is a heart. It could be an actual crystal heart or whatever. My assumption would it would be a crystal heart. And there would be just a small enough hole in the chest that you can grab and like reach in and grab this or see it, you know, kind of like pulsating with light, with energy. And also going down the route of it being an elemental, I wanted to give it elemental abilities. So I was thinking, you know, well, we can have a fire crystal gargoyle a lightning crystal gargoyle water earth you know so on and so forth and give it the typical gargoyle abilities biting and claws but each element of gargoyle would have its own special ability so it will have your typical claw and bite but a lightning one would have a lightning bolt the fire one would have a fire touch since the fire elemental has the touch attack. Um, the water one would have whelm, like the water elementals. Earth would have erupting earth. Would the would the fire elemental, would the touch, would that be like an aura around it? Like if you're within a certain distance, it does that damage or... Like if it attacks you with its claws or if you touch it, it does a certain base amount of fire damage. Um, no, it, it would just be a basic touch attack. Like if this creature were to attack you with its claws, then it's not it's not utilizing its actual elemental ability. Okay. But then it can utilize the ability. Those would obviously have recharges. Okay. You know, like how Whelm has a four to six recharge. 
Oh, yep, yep. Same thing would be for the fire touch and the lightning bolt. Those are special abilities that, you know, these creatures have. But obviously, if you expend the lightning bolt charge, how are you going to recharge it? You need to... You need to have energy to recharge it. So obviously uh, having a recharge rate for it would cause it to reboost and then it can expend it again. I'm surprised you didn't give them breath weapons or something like that. I thought about that. I actually did because I was looking at it and trying to base it off of dragons. And then I was like, well, it's, I don't know, to me, I'm thinking like, you know, like the, the animated cartoon gargoyles, mm-hmm. you know, like the actual gargoyles or like the, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. You know, like those typical little gargoyle creatures. That's what I was thinking. And I'm like, I mean, the chance of it having such a powerful breath weapon, pretty slim to none. So I'm just trying to like base it off of the only power that it has is based on this heart. You know, actually on that, if I'm, I'm actually wondering at this point, do gargoyles in 5e even breathe? I don't know. I mean, it says that it has false appearance and it pretty much resembles, it's an elemental and it resembles just an inanimate, an, an inanimate statue. <laughs> I stutter. Yeah. But yeah, so it resembles an inanimate statue. And at that point, you know, it, I mean, I guess it could be up to the DM if they want to have this creature be, I guess, more living than it is something else. Like, I, I don't know, I, I kind of think, because whenever I think elemental, I think like one of the, the actual elementals, fire, earth, and water, and I don't think those things are actually living, like they don't have to breathe and all that. I don't think so they would, would have to. So I would think the gargoyle might not have to, but I don't want to say that. And well, I mean, again, you know, DM th- this is a DM's discretion, this is the DM's world, you know, even if you are running a module... And there are gargoyles in it. I mean, you could take out the traditional gargoyle and add a homebrew, you know, gargoyle. The module will still be the same. The encounter will still be relatively the same. You're just adding your own flavor to it. This is even better for homebrew content, you know, because this is your world. You create it how you want. Um, But yeah, so on top of that, I also gave the gargoyle a death burst. So when the crystal gargoyle dies, it will actually explode in a burst of elemental energy. Kind of like a method? Uh, yeah, pretty much like a method. And if any creature within 15 feet must make a deck save. So obviously the deck save would be dependent on how you mod the creature. Um, but I have it at a DC 14 deck save. And it will take... 4d12 force damage and 2d6 piercing damage jeez okay because you also have to consider it's the actual physical being of it chances are the whole body is it's is exploding so you're gonna get hurt from this thing now that would be on a failed save you would take the full damage on a you know on a success you would take half so I mean, you're not going to die outright. At the end of and a fight, you And you should be might. high enough level <laughs> anyways to be fighting this. So if it does do damage and it might knock you down to a third of your health, a quarter of your health, I mean... What's your um, CR for this? My CR is a four for this. So if you put this at a four, that means that your players are around four or five. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even if it was the wizard... 
and they're taking average. It's like four or 16. So they might have somewhere around like 20 health. Mm-hmm. It won't outright kill them, mm-hmm. but it's probably going to knock them unconscious. Yeah. So that, that's my intention. I mean, normally you're going to have a tank in a group. Yeah, and the tank's going to be the one up front. The tank's going to be the one up front. The tank is probably going to be the one to take the brunt of the damage. The wizard's probably going to be all the way in the back anyways, taking pop shots at it. So if the wizard, chances are, is not going to be within 15 feet of this thing. Just plain and simple. Hopefully not. Hopefully, it will not be within 15 feet of it. Then you're going to have... The, You're gonna have me, that the crazy the wizard, yeah. who's like, "Hey, I'm in the front, thunder wave." <laughs> I was actually thinking of a DM that plays as a tactician because, like, that's my problem. I have to purposely make the monsters play dumb. It's hard not to. Well, you don't have to because there's actually a book that we have. It's called "The Monsters Know What They're Doing." Yeah, and it actually has tactics for you know the monsters themselves. There's actually another book called "Players Know What They're Doing" as well. And I don't have that one because I really only care about the monsters. <laughs> but it has, you know, like, I guess you could say like little stories and, you know, I guess you could say maybe tips and tricks on how to run specific creatures to help you understand like, okay, well, the kobolds would attack this specific way and the goblins would attack this specific way. I thought, I'm not even going to lie, I thought that it was going to be like, you know, like a football playbook. You know, like an actual play-by-play, like, hey, you know, so they should get into this position and this is how you do this. And I thought it was that. And when I got it and it was an actual book and I had to read, I got a little sad. I'm not going to lie. I actually, I've, I I think, is that based on the website? Uh, Yes, I think so. Okay. I've actually read through the Monsters No Other than like some of the um, kind of, I guess, like articles, Mm -hmm. like the sections on the different um, monsters. And I prefer it that way because it, it, it. gives you the mindset and it gives you the tactical perspective of the monster but it doesn't give you the play-by-play because mm-hmm. the play-by-play kind of restricts you into oh well, this is what i was given this is kind of it like doesn't what I know. it doesn't technically restrict you if it was a play-by-play i don't feel like it would restrict you because again this is dm's discretion but you would learn how to utilize each one you know like in a military setting they don't just tell you, okay, boys, run out there and have fun, shoot, whatever. You know, they're going to kind of give you a general basis of, okay, well, you guys probably need to stick together and you guys need to stick together. And maybe you guys don't run head on. You know, you guys will probably go around the corner and do this and hide. And Oh, you're talking about literally being taught like basic tactics. Yeah, basic and tactics and how to use well, it. Well, that's the thing. If you understand, well... Okay, never mind. That's my own experience coming in. I just realized that, you know, not everybody knows this kind of stuff. So, yeah, exactly. Never, never mind. Okay, because I'm like, what I'm trying if you to get understand at. basic military tactics, and I'm like, wait a second. On most second people thought, don't. Most people don't understand basic <laughs> military tactics. No, yeah, no, okay, okay. I could see the argument that maybe there should have been a little stuff for like group warfare tactics and guerrilla mm-hmm. warfare and stuff like that. I could see that being an argument, but a large portion of that is a mindset. It is. So I mean, know... I can learn. I, you know, I can do this myself. It's not like I have difficulties setting up encounters. But I don't know. Like sometimes I just would like a cheater bar. It's not even gonna lie. I would like a cheater bar every once in a while. But like, hey, you know what? I don't feel like actually setting up this encounter. You know, I just want to know where can I put these, you know, creatures in one specific location. 
how 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 would I have these goblins hiding in the trees and on this cliff and on the ground how would they you know make pit traps and stuff like that would they even consider making a pit trap are they smart enough to make a pit trap pretty sure the book explains it the book explains stuff like that I'm quite sure because but I'm remember. lazy and I don't want to read <sighs> <laughs> that, that makes me so sad. I, I might be disappointed. I'm the lazy DM. I am disappointed in you right now. Isn't there another set of books? There is. Like that? It's called the Lazy DM and the Return of the Lazy DM. And you have both those books. I do have both of those books, be- and I haven't read them. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of. I'm in awe of the fact that you stick to that so honestly <laughs> and also disappointed in the fact that you stick to it so honestly <laughs> that you it's like it's like you have no shape um but but yeah um i can't think of anything else for for the crystalline monsters i i i i don't i can't think of anything for how i would want to change up the gargoyles i actually like them as they are mm-hmm um, no, I mean, I was just saying, like, there's some creatures I feel like don't need to be modified. I like gargoyles, but I also like modifying them, you know. I like giving them, I guess you could say, a story. And these stories can, I guess, breathe life into these creatures. You know, so we're going to have a gargoyle, right? Are, is there an actual history on the gargoyles? There probably is. Again, I haven't read the books. But there's probably like an extensive history on these gargoyles. Yeah, it actually explains how they're made. I think it's like a god, one of the gods of um, the Pantheon, literally on the plane that they're on, basically brings them to life from nothingness. Mm-hmm. Or it's like... Uh, I, th- I think that's what it is. It's like they basically are brought to life on this elemental plane and from stone mm-hmm. so i mean that's fine but you know you having like your brood mother i don't know to me it kind of adds more depth to the story like it's not just the gods that can create these things it could be the gods created something else that can create hence your you know your brood mother your brood mother can create other gargoyles yeah and, and from living creatures not just inanimate things because i mean i just can't imagine a gargoyle running up to a piece of stone and biting it and going haha now you're a gargoyle and it's like i'm a rock i'm a rock yeah exactly and, and yeah to get to get uh I'm, I'm guessing you might be are you done with yours no or? no i mean i have one one last thing okay um the gargoyle, as I mentioned, it does have like that slit in its chest and it would have a crystal heart. So I actually have it to where pretty much it gives like a small little, I guess, history, like a sentence or two of like why this gargoyle was created that way. Pretty much a gar- cre- crystal gargoyle is created when a large amount of magical energy is concentrated on one location. At the center of the gargoyle is its heart, which powers it. A gargoyle's heart is considered very rare and will sell at a high price. So that right there, you can use that as a, you know, side quest. You know, hey, this wizard needs a crystal gargoyle heart. Like, um, what is it? Like the hags. The you can, eye? Yeah, you know, you, you can get something from the hags and it's, you know, it's actually useful to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want it, but it's useful to you. 
So I was kind of basing it off of that as well. You know, this crystal heart, if you can subdue this creature and take the heart out before it explodes, when it dies, then you now have a crystal heart in your hand. This, this heart would still hold the energy just because you removed it from the body doesn't mean that it's going to die. It's See? not like a typical heart. This is an actual, you know, magical stone, if you will. So you could use it to like cast certain spells or something or? I mean, again, DM's discretion, if the DM wants to have, you know, this thing like, oh, it's a lightning one and you, now you're using it as an arcane focus. Well, now you can cast lightning bolt at will. Oh, that would be so broke. <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying. Like at that point, you would probably be a high enough level or, you know, if it's like, you can cast it at will if you're a higher level, or you can cast it three times per day. You know, I did like that, um, looking into Pathfinder, how there's some items that level up with you. Mm -hmm. And when you get to a certain level, you become, like, able to fly at will and stuff like that. But in the beginning, Well, it's... you also got to think they have, like, mythic level and all that stuff, so... Yeah. That's, like, a whole different ballpark that we haven't even touched on yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... I didn't really add much to it aside from that um i just changed a couple of its stats like its actual skills just because you know i don't even remember what the the traditional gargoyles was but i changed i know i added intelligence i know that for a fact i wanted it to have a 16 because i was thinking at this point it probably has gained enough knowledge of the world or, you know, it has gained um, energy, whatever. I don't know. You can spin it however you want. But I pretty much just have it to where it has intelligence. It can communicate with... It speaks Terran or, you know, Earth. It can speak air. It can speak water. Whatever the, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the languages are. Terran, Aquan, Ignan, and Yeah, that. <laughs> that stuff, you know. It, it, it can speak to you if it chooses because at this point it has I guess evolved to that to that point because I hate that it says these creatures can only speak one language and it's like but if they're around creatures who can speak another language eventually you would learn the language sooner or later you're gonna pick it up just just through being around yeah I can I could see that argument mm-hmm um yeah I mean aside from that AC 16 I did up the hit points it is. 16d8 so that would plus uh 48 so that would be 120 that's that's pretty tanky yeah i mean again i'm just thinking it's a typical would you as a dm allow called shots on the heart um i will but i do take uh the called shot rule we have disadvantage disadvantage um I think it was like sharpshooter that you can take like a minus five from it. Oh no, that's that's to do extra damage. It's oh, a minus five. I to know. Do oh, so you're 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 thinking just using like if someone was like I'm using sharpshooter. Yeah. Okay. I could. I could. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to call on the heart, like that's fine. But the way that I'm envisioning this creature is the the slit itself isn't very big. I'm thinking Legolas. Like, it, like <laughs> pretty much. But, you know, it, it's big enough that a hand can reach in there. That's big enough for an arrow to go through. So, yes, it's big enough for an arrow to go through, you know, considering this is a medium elemental. Mm -hmm. So, you got to consider, like, 
I'm a fairly small person. So if I were to put like, you know, like a little teardrop shape on my chest right now, you can probably stick your hand in there with difficulty, but you can stick your hand in there. You know, like if you had like a gnome or something who had smaller hands. They could just stick their hand they in there. No you know, it'll be easy for them to just reach in there and grab it. Um, or if you can find a way to chip around, like if you manage to subdue this this creature, because yep. it's not it's not immune to being prone. Oh, okay. So if you can cause it to become prone, or tie like it hold down. monster. Oh yeah. If you use hold monster on it, and you find a way to break into its chest cavity and pull out this heart, the creature itself, the crystal would become a crystal again. It wouldn't move so because what you're it's saying, powered by this heart. It wouldn't explode at that point. It wouldn't explode because so you have the, removed. Is they, the, they explo- like the explosion is powered by the? crystal yes so if you can take that out without damaging it it doesn't explode it doesn't explode now for that you know going on to that the intact heart for the crystal heart i do have little subsections for it intact heart um it values at around 800 gp or however you want to value it in your game but you know i kind of figured 800 gold for you risking your life and getting a crystal heart, I think it's worth it. Because you can't just kill it. You yeah, have to like you would have to it. actually subdue this creature and then remove the heart. And then pretend that you're, you know, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Something like that, yeah. Um, but it says you can either sell it for about 800 GP or you can use it as an arcane focus. And again, DM's discretion, however you want to modify this, use it as a arcane focus that gives it a gives a player a spell that would be based on the creature imagine letting (laughs) i know it's not an instrument but imagine giving it to a bard and they have literally a glowing disco ball that they can cast dancing lights from or something (laughs) uh i could just imagine the bard using it like that too um but yeah no so then i also have if it's damaged so imagine if you do kill this creature, right? And it, this creature explodes. The DM can roll to see whether the heart, you know, explodes with the body or if it manages to not. Because being the center of the explosion, it might... it might. It might survive. Yeah. So if it is damaged, the heart does become unstable. So further tampering would cause the heart to explode. So obviously if you have this damaged heart, it's one of those you want to put it, you know, wrapped up in so much cloth and you want to put it in like the center of your backpack around more cloth and put it probably put it in a boot. Like you don't want this thing to be damaged anymore because it will explode at that point. And then at that point, when it does explode, anyone within 10 feet of it must make a DC uh, deck save or take 2d12 force damage and 1d6 piercing damage. I lowered it, obviously, because... It's smaller. It's a smaller thing, but it's obviously still still packing a lot of energy. It's like artillery shell going off versus grenade going off. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for my gargoyle. So tell me about your brood mother. That I'm so proud of. Yeah. For the broodmother, I went with the idea that it's a curse and that it is able to spread this curse to other people and that it terminates after that point. So these people don't become broodmothers themselves and it just keeps going on forever. 
but it is able to turn other people into gargoyles. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind that is to kind of act as a push for characters to have to take care of this thing in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you can take your time and deal with. And it would be especially helpful to DMs if they were having trouble with a group that kind of lackadaisically went along Mm -hmm. and didn't really follow any quests or anything. They're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. Um, If you did that with this monster, you would end up with a town full of gargoyles Mm -hmm. by the time that you've ignored it for however long. And I made it relatively low enough that you could, you could put this as low as I would say a level, level three, four characters. You could, it's going to be really dangerous at that level. I would personally put it in the fives or six. Um, but the cool thing that it has is that gargoyle's curse. And so it acts a little bit like the Medusa's petrifying gaze in that you basically, you're the first time you get hit with a claw attack or a bite attack, any physical attack from this thing, the curse has a chance to pass on to you. And so you have to make a DC 15 con save but yeah, the, the major ability is, is that Petrifying Gaze, or Gargoyle's Curse in this case. It's the vital thing that changes the entire playstyle of the monster. And having that DC 15 check at, hopefully, characters are level 5, and they get three chances at it. Because if you succeed one time, it stops. Um them having all those chances to get out of it should make it so that they don't change. But if they do, it's going to very much be what drives, I would think, the party at that point. Um, And speaking of it being for, you know, lower to mid-level characters, I changed it so that it's not just Greater Restoration that gets removed or gets rid of the curse, because it's a magical curse, I allowed Dispel Magic and um, remove curse if the players are able to pass a um, Arcana or a History check to figure out what it is. Um, it's kind of DM's discretion. There might be a DM who wants to leave at Greater Restoration, so like that character's stuck there until they go into higher levels. Um, but I, besides that, I really didn't add much to it. Uh, let's see here. I think the major thing was I did bump the armor class to 16, similar to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, the hit points went to 110. So that's only 13 to 8 plus 52 because I changed its con to a 18, so it's a plus 4. But that's kind of deceptive because what I did, the only other major bonus I gave it was regeneration. So as long as it has at least one hit point at the start of its turn, it regains 10. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, is that that also makes it so if you let this thing go, it's just going to come back just as strong. Mm -hmm. And it makes it that it makes it something that you have to hunt down now. It puts pressure on the players to 
if we do not resolve this problem in a timely fashion, we're going to suffer for it. Yeah. And I think it, this would be something that if I was starting players out at level five, I would try to put this in at the first, kind of the first get-go. Like their first come-together big um, kind of adventure. Mm-hmm. Like this is how they get known in the town uh, that they're rescuing or known in the area. Um, and I think by doing this and having that time crunch on it, it'll help solidify the party quickly. Mm-hmm. Um so that they actually work together better than having something that um, is more of a general quest kind of you can do at your own pace. Yeah. So um, I did increase its multi-attack. I I do remember that. Uh, The multi-attack, I gave it um, three attacks. It now has a plus six because I think the original is a plus four, but I might be wrong. Um, Has a plus six to hit. um, And it does actually a, a... pretty high level of damage um the bite attack and only gets one of those on its turn does 3d6 plus three and the claw attack which it gets two of those per turn gets 2d6 plus three and the idea is that you know this is kind of like it's the boss of this tier of gameplay mm-hmm. so it would be something that your players would be very challenged and number one not, or not number one, but not just that, but you're also going to have to face the gargoyles too. Mm-hmm. Because the broodmother, I would definitely not, I would have it so that the only reason people are figuring out this thing is there is because people are being turned into stone statues and then later being turned into gargoyles. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you know, as soon as they come to the place, there's got to be at least two or three gargoyles. Yeah. And then there's also the broodmother. So them interacting and fighting together in the beginning, um, or I would, I, like if it was me, I would try to lure, make it so you would lure the broodmother out. Mm-hmm. Because it, I, I didn't give it any layer actions or anything like that. But if it was in its layer, you would think it would be, it wouldn't be alone. Yeah. So... If I had to fight this thing, I would purposely try to get it by itself. Because if it has backup, it'll just remember. Uh, I think what I said about this is it is in control of these gargoyle minions. Because mm-hmm. if you fail, I think it's after 10 days, you turn into um, a gargoyle, basically. A minion of the broodmother. And it has full control of that person. Mm-hmm. And at that point, now that it has full control, it will just throw that the other um, gargoyle like cannon fodder is the way I'm mm-hmm. um, imagining it because at the end of the day it only cares about itself surviving yeah so so if it turns into a like the player if the player turns into a gargoyle they fail their saves um and they're now full gargoyled out can your Greater Restoration, Dispel Magic, Remove Curse still work? Or does it work only in the process of? See, that's the thing. Okay, so okay, it's when you first get hit by it. And so the first hit, um, you roll that check. And if you fail three of them in a row, then you turn to stone. So the first one's like you're restrained, like the Petrifying Gaze of the Medusa. 
and then you turn into stone and after 10 days they have a 10 day grace period basically where Mm -hmm. they have the chance to save you and if they fail to do that and you turn to the gargoyle my idea is that you no longer exist Mm -hmm. and i would if it was in my campaign i would make it so that it would take something ridiculous to restore you. I don't even think I'd allow greater restoration. I would have to like make a it wish like spell? a wish spell. Like mm-hmm. it would have to be something ridiculous because the way I wrote it is the curse completes. And by saying the curse completes, I mean that the curse is already done and you are already transformed into this thing. There's no going back. What about a revivify like what if you kill this gargoyle creature and then cast revivify will you revivify the gargoyle or will you revivify the person that i'm kind of leaving up the dm but if it was me the way i'm envisioning this is that it doesn't you don't just transform into the gargoyle i'm thinking like this thing breaks out of the stone like like body like like a butterfly Kind of like a body, yeah, or yeah, a butterfly. It's, it's, it's like a cocoon, mm-hmm. and it just shatters out of this stone statue. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, that thing no longer exists. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I was just thinking, because, like, the way you're explaining it, my head's already, like, swimming with ideas for how to use this. And I'm thinking, you know, you walk into, like, think of, like, okay, like, Curse of Strahd. You know, you go into Barovia. That was actually what I was envisioning it being in. <laughs> and, you know, it's like like the small little town. And I'm just thinking, like, imagine if you go into this town and this town has gargoyles just randomly placed. Everywhere, right? Like, on on the rooftops of buildings daytime. So, obviously, you know, people are just wandering around doing stuff. But then at night, you see everybody kind of just hiding away. Nobody wants to be outside at nighttime. And so, you see gargoyles just kind of everywhere. And you're just like, wow, this town's really weird. They have this really weird fascination with gargoyles. And... You can probably see people leaving offerings at certain ones. So you're just thinking like maybe they just pray to a gargoyle or something. Just some weird superstition. Yeah. And then the further you go into this story, you start finding out that people have gone missing. And then you find out like like the, the castle in Barovia. You know, then you can actually witness the gargoyles attacking you if you're not in the town at night because they only attack like in populated areas. Yeah. So if you leave the town, you're not going to know what happens. If you go to the gypsies, they're probably protected. Actually, the way. And then you finally go all the way to the castle and you see the gargoyles like mounted over where the gates are. And so they're probably not moving. And then you get inside. And you're stuck inside now. You can't leave. And that's when you finally get in. And there you, you know, there you go. Like you, well, I wouldn't even say she was there in the center. But what I would do, I would have like this huge like cathedral-like room. And at the end, I would have this big statue of this gargoyle broodmother. And people think like, oh, you know, this is where we pray to the gargoyle. And But no, it's actually But a it's actually a broodmother. And you just see gargoyles everywhere. Like you see statues of like heroes just mounted on the wall and it could take you know like you don't know how long these people have been missing but you know it would take some time and you're just looking at all of these statues and then in the middle of your fight they just start bursting out 
that was actually kind of what I was doing. <laughs> but for me, my my way I would set this up is you heard rumors or there was a request, you know, in the tavern, like that have the request board. And part of the request was that, oh, um, there's this town, there's strange disappearances happening. No one knows what's going on. And then you show up to the town and there's no one absolutely no one and everywhere you look the only strange thing you notice in the town is that all of the buildings on the roofs have gargoyles on them mm -hmm. and i was just thinking about how freaky would it be that you 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 know that this request is from this town mm -hmm. and you get there and they're supposed to be like at least 100 or 200 people and there's no one and all you find are these gargoyle statues and well, it would be worse if, like, if there was like one, one or two survivors. One or two survivors left, and well, they, I they're pretty I much I just kind of like that. they, they like no, like especially if like, they're children or something, and they just like they're pretty much trying to survive, just hiding. That you know what that makes me think of uh, aliens. Aliens. That yep, that was exactly what I was thinking of with that. I was like, yeah, like that kind of clicks with that. Um, yeah, I could, I could, I could see maybe that, you know, that well, because one you orphan think, survivor. Most people won't bother if there's nobody there. If there's no reason to save this town, why? Like, okay, cool. This town's been taken over by gargoyles, whatever. Well, what I was thinking is it's near like another major town. Mm -hmm. So your, your players start in a major town and they go to this outskirt area. And remember what I said about the Broodmother, the longer you leave it alone, the worse the problem yeah. gets. So my idea is that, and then also you got to remember there's still a chance that some people will will and you got to realize that there's some people that are going to save out of this and those people are probably going to become food mm -hmm. and so not everyone there's not gonna be a hundred gargoyles in the village but there might be 10 there might be 20 and you have to think, yes, it's not as bad. Because like in, um, what was the name of that movie? I think uh, Reign of Fire. Mm -hmm. The dragons are bad enough. But if you, you can solve the problem by just killing the one. Yeah. Because they can no longer reproduce. And the idea is that you take out the broodmother and kind of solve the problem on its own and i would think that like if i was running the uh if i was running it i would have it so like the brood mother is uh the apex predator and it knows that mm -hmm. and so it's not afraid of anything so if you show up and challenge it basically for its dominance and its territory and you can draw it out you might be able to fight it smart on its own mm -hmm. but if you go into the lair and you try to fight all of these gargoyles you're gonna have a bad day yeah um would you have a weakness for this gargoyle a weakness specifically yeah like maybe you know sunlight like if somebody had like a sun blade or something um i wouldn't or like I, holy water I really didn't want to give it a, a real weakness like that. I was thinking something more along the lines of, because I did make this thing more intelligent. Um, I, I bumped its intelligence up to a 10 and the wisdom's a 12. Charisma's still low. Mm -hmm. And what I'm thinking of is that 
maybe it's you as a DM could play it so that it's hubris is its own weakness. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, if they can goad it or taunt it. So pretty much it's pride. It's pride will be its downfall. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm thinking that, as I said, it turns other lesser beings into other gargoyles, mm-hmm. which are just its servants and its minions. Yeah. And I'm thinking that it might actually believe now that it's better than all other races. So you're kind of basing it off of a beholder. Yeah, beholders are kind of like that. Yeah, beholders are pretty much like, this is my lair. I am much more intelligent than any of you. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that is their one thing is that they're, they believe that they're so much smarter than everyone else. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of the, uh, is it Xanathar with the, the goldfish? Yeah. The they goldfish. have to keep replacing the goldfish yeah. because they know otherwise he'll go on a giant tantrum, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and apparently, though, he's so smart. He hasn't figured out the the goldfish has been replaced repetitively. Like I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I actually think that's extremely hilarious. Not even gonna lie. Speaking terrifying, of, but hilarious. Speaking of that, I've always thought it would be funny if you had a druid in your party in that, and someone the druid turned into the goldfish. And that would be horrible. And stayed in there. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because you could listen in. On all of the conversations that these people were having, just floating around in the water, and after a certain amount of time, or whenever they leave the room, you just turn into something else, like a spider or something, and leave. Mm-hmm. But then the downside is, is that there's no fish, there's no fish in well, there. Well, no, no, because what you can do is, I mean, if you find a way to put this fish somewhere, like in a jar that nobody can see inside, and you put the fish like under the table... Like, literally in a section where there's a bunch of other jars with water, obviously. Don't don't put it without water. But you put it somewhere, then you could literally live as this fish in this jar, leave, and then grab the jar and just put the fish back in there. That's, yeah. And leave. And there you go. Like, problem solved. Your fish is still there. Nobody's going to know. Granted, now, if you forget to put water in there and then you put it, uh, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anything else that you had added for your gargoyle? Um, no, I, I, I really, when I thought of the gargoyle, I just thought of the curse and I couldn't think of anything else that I would change because I like it as it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that... It's already has its own mythos outside of, you know, 5e. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of just go off of that, you could create whatever you want really with it. And I think that just its base lore gives it a great base to work off of. Yeah. And if I gave it a lot of more stuff, I would have to bump the CR, and I didn't want to do that because I wanted it to be accessible to DMs at lower levels. Mm-hmm. No, that, that, that's understandable. Like, I, I mean, I agree with you. I was just wondering if there's anything else you might have had. Because if you think this could be a low-level major quest mm-hmm. or a mid-level minor quest. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I have for my monster. That's all you have for your monster. So what do you think our next monster should be? I think we should start getting suggestions. 
<laughs> I mean, it would be nice, you know, anybody who's listening in, you are more than welcome to send in suggestions on my Instagram at DM Disaster. You can send in uh, suggestions on my Tumblr, that's at Tabletalk, or you can email it to us, tabletalksubmissions at gmail.com. I mean, even if, you, uh, if you're on TikTok and you are looking around, I am also on TikTok. That is at DM Disaster. So you are able to locate us on many, many platforms. We are more than happy to take any of your suggestions, your stories. If you have any uh, alterations to the creatures that we created or any version that you created yourself, please send them in. We would love to get them. We would love to read them out for our listeners. You forgot your website. Shamelessplug.com. Shamelessplug.com. <laughs> and it's going to have a picture of me with two thumbs up and a big cheesy smile. <laughs> Hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> um, no, I was actually thinking of either doing a direwolf or... Hmm... I'm trying to think. Oh, a golem. We can either do a direwolf or a golem. Um, okay, so we've had an elemental already. Mm-hmm. A golem's more of a construct, but it still kind of, to me, falls in the same. I mean, we can just go full animal this time. A direwolf would... A direwolf is full animal. We yeah. did displacer beast. Okay, I mean, yeah, we could do. What about what about doing aquatic animals? Uh, do you have an aquatic animal? You can do a frog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the first one that came to my mind. <laughs> I really? like frogs. A frog. Yeah, you can do like a giant toad or something. You know what? I know what I want to do, just because I know you wouldn't want to do it. No, I know what you're gonna say. No spiders. No. Yes. I hate spiders. <laughs> I hate spiders so much. Okay, okay. I, I can do about, the spider. How, how about flying snakes? I can do the spiders. I just, I'm not going to look at any pictures of them. Okay. What about a flying spider? No. <laughs> do you not understand how horrible that sounds? Um. Imagine, okay, and not just a flying spider. You know they have giant spiders. Imagine if you're just there, you know, walking through the underdark or in a dark cave and you're dealing with random spiders, right? Like typical spider, spider swarms, ill, but whatever. And then out of the darkness, you see this winged eight legged thing just flying at your face. That sounds hilarious. That Not sounds to me. I mean, I feel horrible. bad for the person that's there, but that sounds hilarious. And just imagine the people you. who have arachnophobia. You're going to be dreaming about this flying fanged thing. You just lost all your subscribers right there. <laughs> it's terrible. No. Like, it gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. I'm not, I can't even see it. And I could just imagine this tarantula with wings. Like, I can't do this. All right. So, <laughs> so, so let's, let's be, let, let's be. So you said direwolf, golem. I said spiders being a butt. So direwolf or golem. I'll go with direwolf. Okay, we'll do we'll do we'll do wolves. Mm -hmm. I got no problem with that. I know you don't if you love wolves. Yeah, but I'm just sitting here thinking like, what can you do with a direwolf? Well, you can give it elemental powers. 
You and the elemental powers, man. Oh, uh, hello. They're awesome. Are you? Is this going to be like the Captain Planet of Direwolves? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm going to do Thunder that. Thunderdog. No, I am doing that now in in one of the campaigns. I'm going to have a pack of wolves that put their noses together and turn into a giant direwolf Captain Planet thing. <laughs> that would be funny. That I'm going to lie. But yeah, so if anybody has any input, any suggestions, please, by all means, my shameless plugs, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, email, please, by all means, share your thoughts, your stories, uh, any homebrew creatures that you've created, even items. If you created items and spells, Please, by all means, share that because we would love to share that with our listeners. Wait, we're going to do an item section next? We're going to do item sections and spells too. Okay. Uh, only if I'm allowed to use them in your campaign. No. Oh. So, all that aside, thank you for listening in. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Next week, we will be talking about how to run a session zero. Ooh, that's important. Very important. All right. Thank you, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, later.